Hello everybody, my name is Rick with Let's Level Up, and we are today doing our premiere episode of Mage Wars Mondays. Um, this is brought to you in part by both Let'sLevelUp.net and Arcane Wonders, and I am incredibly excited to have my partners in crime with me here today. Hey everybody, uh, I'm Scott Morris, I'm Vice President of Business Development at Arcane Wonders. And I'm Aaron Brosman, I'm the Creative Director at Arcane Wonders. So we've assembled this dream team of Mage Wars experts and myself um, to talk about <laughs> the best game out there right now, and I think the three of us definitely agree with that. Um, and today, this episode's all going to be focused around the new player, the new Mage Wars player, and maybe even uh, existing players as well. But our topic today is how to pick the right mage for you. And one of the things that we want to make sure happens here is that we give you both relevant information to a few of the different mages and also hint on our personal preferences as well. So the first little subject here we're going to talk about is the specific schools of training that each mage can do and then kind of what we gravitate towards. So uh, Aaron, you want to kick things off? Sure. Um, as far as when you're, when you're going to pick your mage, as far as the training, um, there's a few obvious things. Anything that's a certain mage only, uh, like dark mage only or holy mage only, uh, obviously you're going to have to pick one of those mages. So if you're really in love with um, Drain Soul, then you have to play uh, a Necro or a Warlock. So that's a that's a pretty obvious thing. Um, apart from that, it's what spells really draw you um, and which spells you think you're going to get the most use out of. Uh, personally, when I went to build my my first spell book after the game was actually released, um, I went for a priestess, and that was because I really loved uh, Knights of Westlock and the Highland Unicorn. Uh, the quality of her, her creatures is really good, and so that's that's what really drew me there and her ability to support them. So, And that's all in the Holy School, so that's all out of her training. Oh, that's great. Yeah, when I... Uh... When I first started, my first thing was Beastmaster. That was uh, one that I had seen myself looking at the game at Gen Con and uh, immediately fell in love with the idea of uh, having as many creatures out there as possible. And a lot of the creatures that fit in that nature school were the kind of creatures I would have wanted to play with as well. So that was kind of the same thing for me was I sat there and I looked at some of the cards that were available to that nature school and what the, the original Beastmaster, the, uh, the Straywood Forest one, was, was trained in. And I started piecing slowly together, okay, this pet or this animal could work with this animal, this animal could work with this animal, uh, and slowly trying to piece it together. Um, thankfully, you know, there are, there are some really amazing, cool spells and cards and conjurations that are, you know, specific to like wizard only or beastmaster only, um, or dark mage only. So they're, they're definitely key ones to, to hone in on and, and build something around. But, uh, I, yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, and I think I'm right there with you, Scott. Uh, I, I, I really love the Beastmaster going into it, but I fell in love more, I think, with the original uh, Araxian Crown Warlock. Um, just the idea of them being a both trained in dark and fire, just thematically, made a lot of sense to me. You know, I, I imagine the 
just the, the fiery brimstone of the hells of Etheria literally coming forth from my fingertips, and I thought that was very cool. Um, so just really quickly, to go over some of the different schools that we didn't talk about, um, we have, the, uh, of course, the Dark and the Fire from the Warlock. Uh, we have the Nature School from the Beastmaster, the Holy School from the Priest and the Priestess. But there's also the Mind, Arcane, War, and the different elemental schools of Earth, Water, Air, and, of course, Fire, which has already been mentioned. So there's a lot of different yeah. variety out there. Yeah, it can sometimes scare new players, I think, when we're talking to people and they, they ask the question of how many schools of magic there are, and, and you say there's eight, and they go, whoa, what? eight like wait a minute <laughs> how much do i have to learn here right you know but it, it really it's not an overwhelming amount to learn i think because even in the in the base course set you know you you get the araxian crown warlock you get the the beast master you get the priestess um, and then you get the wizard who gives you that that kind of optional skill set you know with the wizard you pick uh you have arcane that he's trained in and then you've got the one other element um, so you, you basically get to choose, you know, between uh, air, earth, fire, and water. Um, and it, it, it opens up a lot of options. Um, I mean, just Arcane alone is, mm-hmm. is a great school. There's so many great buffs for you. There's so many great debuffs for other people. Um, my, my, one of my favorite creatures is in the Arcane, which is the, the Gorgon Archer. Um, which I think looks a little like me, but that's a longer story for a taller beer. Um, but they, uh, they, they really, even in that core set, offer you tons of options with that. Uh, and I think that's been one of the reasons that the, the wizard has been a very popular archetype is he, he's got that flexibility built in. Yeah, awesome. He definitely does, and Arcane is definitely a flexible school. Um, that is also one of the things that kind of makes him a, a handful when you're first starting out. Um, there's a lot of things he can do. Uh, but at the end of the day, the thing that makes him really great are all of the the really critical things that he does that that happen to be arcane. I mean, he's he's got teleport, he's got dispel, um, and so those are things that you can find a use for in almost every game, just no matter what your strategy is. So he's got some really foundational stuff that he's great with. Now, Aaron, can you briefly go over some of the um, maybe the negatives of going outside of your uh, specific training as a mage? One of the biggest things that's a negative about going outside of your training is that it costs twice as much. And on a level one spell, that doesn't seem like a lot. Um, but when you when you look at something like, uh, if I'm playing a priestess, um, I could grab two divine protections or i could put one rhino hide in my spell book um so when you look at things like that um it becomes kind of tough i will say um grabbing the smaller <coughs> spells like that are usually easier um when you grab creatures outside of your school since a lot of times creatures um can be higher levels than like enchantments or incantations um they can tend to eat your spell book points really quick um and so that kind of uh, limits uh, the amount of tools you can have at your disposal. Um, but you do get to really use, um, you know, new and fresh things that aren't part of your school that can really dovetail well. Um, like, I, I know there are a bunch of spells that I particularly like just for how I play, and they're not always the the training that my mage is, but a lot of times I'll still squeeze them in. Um Apart from that, 
most of the spells in another school are usually themed towards working with things in that school. Um, so if you go outside your school, sometimes uh, things won't dovetail well. Now, there, there are obvious exceptions to that. I mean, um, a, uh, a necro can play fortified position, and it's fantastic with skeletons. Uh, but that doesn't mean that the whole war school is going to be good for a necro. Sure. Um, he's still going to want uh, to focus on the dark school, which is going to help him with his skeletons and work better with his skeletons. Yeah. Um, so One of the things uh, that I think is so brilliant with this yeah. is that Mage Wars does not limit you to just your chosen school. So like Aaron is saying, if I have a, a particular play style or just a really cool idea um, for a spell book, I can include things outside of my school. Of course, you're paying a little bit more, sometimes, uh, most of the time double, sometimes triple, depending on what you're doing, um, but really be able to encapture and, uh, um, and, and fit to your specific customization of this mage, which is huge. Well, not only that, you can you can also do some major surprises. The, the, yeah, that's true. Uh, Aaron's Aaron's dead on in terms of the the, the downside to going outside of your school. Um, there are there are some, and I've told this story to a couple of people. Uh, one of the best games that I have played uh, personally over the last couple of months was against a friend of mine who always uses a warlock deck, and it's the Araxian Crown Warlock. Um, because we haven't given him the new one yet that's not out because we don't want to be biased or partial. Um, but <laughs> he, um, he always throws curses and fire. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty straight up what you know what he's going to do, and, and you can kind of prepare for that. And we're playing a game, and I had him down to one life. I had nine life left myself. He had one life left, and I'm like, I got him. Like, there, there's nothing he's going to be able to do. I, and it was about three quarters of the way through the game. I mean, it was pretty, pretty heavy and heated in. And uh, he flips over for his his quick cast for the turn, and he flips over a wand of healing. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, what? What is that? <laughs> he's like, it's a wand of healing. Like, what? What kind of warlock plays with wand of healing? And he looks me dead in the eye, and he goes the winning one uh, <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness and then of course for his action he, he healed and it was amazing because i could not finish him i i had used i had i had you know two dissolves i had used them already he knew i had used them he waited for the perfect time and i lost and i looked at him and i was like man that that only cost you three points because it's a, a level one spell and it, it's such a great card and it's so versatile and he completely took me by surprise with it. So that it's, it's a great example of being able to go outside of your school, and in this case, you know, detrimentally outside of your school because the warlock has the, the, the hurt of having to pay triple for a holy card uh, and just completely surprise people and, and totally take them by, you know, oh, my goodness, what are you doing? I didn't even expect that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Allow me to uh, win the game now and get out of my way. So, <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Well, we talked a little bit about the actual training of the mages. Now, let's let's talk specifically um, each mage's special abilities that they have. So each each mage actually has kind of what I call the, the character card or the character sheet that comes along with its full art representation that goes on the battlefield. And on it, it'll tell you what the spellbook size, the health, the natural armor, and any uh, natural channeling that they may have. But there's also a, a bunch of different abilities on there. I think at least, uh, what is it? two to three per mage that are unique to that specific mage. 
Um, let's start off just talking about the Beastmaster. Uh, and talks, you know, Beastmaster is your is your pride and joy. So why don't you hit that one? <laughs> yeah, I uh, he, he's got some great great abilities. You know, so the the first one is he's got quick summoning, um, oh, which a, a lot of yeah, people actually I think sometimes take this one for granted. They because they see the pet ability and his pet ability is you know you can bring a a friendly non living uh, non living non loving non living animal creature uh, and make non legendary and no, yeah, yeah non legendary mm-hmm. I'm sorry yeah, non legendary uh, and make it your pet and it, it's a great ability right because you're you're adding melee attack you're adding armor you're adding life and people immediately try to combo up with that and go and in fact that's going to be one of our you know shows down the road is we're going to talk about you know pets and, and what are good pets. Um, but the quick summoning is really good. I mean, you, you, so basically if anyone's unfamiliar with him, the quick summoning is once per round, uh, he can summon uh, a level one creature or level one animal creature, uh, as a quick spell, which basically means that you could potentially cast two creatures in one turn. And, uh, Aaron, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's like the only thing that, the only mage in the game that lets you do that. Uh, in terms of being able to cast two creatures in one turn without using, you know, some type of spawn point or something like that. And uh, the only other thing that can is uh, if you cast Tautery, the butterfly. That's the only right. other way. Right. I mean, it's it's a it's a pretty slim margin, right? So, oh, yeah. and when you look at some of the the smaller level one creatures that the Beastmaster has access to, even just in the nature, you know, the nature spells. It's pretty amazing, you know, and that's that's one of the things I think that um, kind of gets overlooked. Uh, but I, I see creative people working on it is they realize that quick summoning is just a level one animal creature, um, so it's it's it doesn't necessarily have to be a nature creature. So uh, there's some really creative stuff you can do with it, and I think that that is very quick to happen. Um, a lot of the the good beastmasters will either you know, come out hard and heavy with a really big guy at first, like a, you know, a still call grizzly or something like that. Um, but being able to rush, you know, two, four, six boxes over to somebody pretty quickly or, you know, feral bobcats can, can really put some hurt on them. Um, so I, I, I love the Beastmasters, both of his abilities. I think they're, they're really versatile and really flexible. Yeah, it also may be worth noting as well, just the, the inherent skill that he has, his battle skill. Which increases all sure. of his melee by one, um, and I think that's huge. So, um, yeah, he gets uh, he gets to pop somebody in the head normally for three <laughs> dice, and then the battle skill is four, uh, and then of course you you know you put something on them like you know a staff of beasts or uh, get crazy with maybe some cards that haven't been released yet like heart of gravicor or something like that. And yeah, <laughs> which you know there's some crazy combinations you can do, but he's he's pretty good. He's pretty good with the battle skill. That's awesome. Uh, Aaron, what do you go into a little bit about the priestess that comes in the core set? Sure. Um, yeah, when I started looking at uh, at mages, the thing that actually really drove me to the priestess, uh, other than my love for Knights of Westlock, um, was the restorability. Um, conditions are really powerful, and there's a bunch of them, and. It, it's rare that I'm okay with having a condition on my creatures. Um, <laughs> most of the time, they're going to mess you up pretty bad, um, and that's that's the beauty of the the priestess is she has that ability to you know as a quick spell, she can uh, pay the removal cost and remove one condition from a, a friendly creature within uh, one zone, 
if she spends a full action, she can pay for as many conditions as are on that creature if she wants to and remove them by paying their cost, um, which is pretty awesome. It makes her really resistant to sleep. Uh, Normally, if someone sleeps one of your creatures, you have to deal it damage, then it becomes dazed, and then everything's back to normal. Well, the priestess can just clear the sleep off, so it never becomes dazed. Um, And then if one of your creatures gets stunned, she can clean the stun off of them. So it's that ability to really support her creatures that's that's amazing. Um, And then in addition to that, as she's playing, um, she wants to be casting uh, holy uh, incantations or revealing holy enchantments because when she does so, once per turn she gets to do her divine reward, which increases her total health by one. So so her life goes up one uh, every round that she's able to cast a spell uh, in a holy incantation or reveal a holy enchantment. Um, And so, you know, I've seen people put a, a minor heal on a wand and, you know, you roll five dice, heal that much, then increase your health by one. And they just, yeah. you know, lather, rinse, repeat. Um, it's <laughs> it's pretty solid. Um, I've also seen, um, like I've done it where I'll have a bunch of enchantments down, um, and they'll be healing charms. So, oh, at the end of this turn, I'm going to heal this guy. So I reveal it, and she gains one. Well, start of next turn, I'll reveal a different one. And since it's a different turn, I'm going to gain life for that one, too. So um, she she's pretty sweet that way. Uh, but I definitely say Restore is the big draw there. Restore is amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, the Priestess can be very brutal. I mean, she just uh, she almost reminds me of, um, if you guys played World of Warcraft at all, but playing a, a Paladin, uh, maybe she's not quite as... Uh, as Durable is not the right word. She's not, she's not heavily armored, but she can just last and outlast people. She can, she's got uh, stayability. I think I just made that up for days. Uh, <laughs> Stay, stayability. Yeah, you know, we're making up words on this podcast, and uh, that's all right. Uh, that'll be a new keyword in, in a future set, Aaron. You have to get on that. Stayability. Yeah. <laughs> stayability. Got it. <laughs> yeah. The priestess, when I first started uh, playing with her, I actually made a tank version of her. Still have it. Um, it's it's all based around the staff of Asira. Um, and then just going to town with the actual abilities that she's got from that divine reward and casting the incantations with her other her, her other hand with a mage wand. It's 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 pretty amazing some of the stuff that she can do. I think uh, I think at one point the most dice I was getting in one turn with Staff of Asira was something like twelve dice on an attack, uh, and it was it was pretty intense and pretty awesome. Yeah, that's crazy. All right, so we talked already a bit about the, um, of course, the Beastmaster, the Priestess, and I'd like to just bring some attention to the Warlock. So the Warlock's got two primary abilities. Um, it's got Curse Weaving, which allows him to, once per round, um, if a creature's destroyed that has one or more of your Curse spells on them, um, you can actually take one of those spells and put it back into your spellbook rather than your discard pile. And this is a really good ability because it allows you to uh, keep certain curses on the board and keep them from going into your discard pile. So, again, you can reuse them as the game goes on. Uh, I'm glad you explained that. I thought Curse Weaving was when I lost to the Warlock and I swore at my opponent. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's called Raging. Yes. 
his other ability is the Blood Reaper, which is uh, similar to the Beastmaster's pet ability. Um, the Beastmaster and the Warlock are almost kind of a yin and a yang to each other, to to some extent. Um, but the very much so. Yeah, the Blood Reaper allows you to again put a token on a non-legendary creature. Um, you actually lose life equal to the creature's level plus one. So if it's a, a level two demon, um, you're going to lose three life. But it's going to get more adrenaline. Yeah, he's going to gain the uh, bloodthirsty two trait. And um, anytime, I believe it's is it if it deals damage to a living creature, you get healed two, or it gets healed two damage. Um, I believe it's you get healed two whenever it deals damage Correct. to a living. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so the bloodthirsty is a brutal trait. <laughs> yeah, bloodthirsty actually, uh, I can believe you deal more melee damage if they're uh, already wounded. Is that correct? Or more damage? Guys. Yeah, yes. if they're if they're wounded and alive, <laughs> then you get extra dice. Yeah, that's awesome. If they're if they're wounded and they're dead, they're zombies. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you said earlier, uh, uh, non-living pet, or non-living animal <laughs> creature, which which yeah. actually made me think of uh, a Beastmaster and a Necromancer hybrid. Yeah, yeah, it's... <laughs> just, just a giant Draco Lich coming from the sky. <laughs> that, well, you know, there might be a, a, a Drake, uh, a Lich Drake soon here, right, Aaron? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Uh-oh. <laughs> I will not uh, for, confirm for... nor deny anything. <laughs> oh come on, we can we can we can confirm that. I mean, there's uh, that was a, a contest in um, the Forge and Fire. There's actually it was uh, a contest. Yeah, we had a we had a contest that um, we had a uh, I think it's an undead skeleton dragon, um, and you got to name it. And I believe if I'm pronouncing it right, correct me if I'm wrong. It's Sardonyx. Yes. And uh, he is <laughs> he's pretty amazing. He's going to be in Forge and Fire. Uh, he he if there's if, if there's anything in the game that makes a Dremelec possibly look small, it's this guy. And, and still, he only possibly makes him look small. So we'll, uh, we'll have to see how it works out, but he, he should be pretty exciting. And, and Warlock players may like him, too. Yeah, the, so the the only other wizard that we uh, haven't talked about yet is the um, is the actual wizard. Is the wizard. wizard. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah, yeah. the mage is the wizard. Um, so oh, the wizard! I just played the wizard last night, and uh, I, ha I have a, uh, a spell book called the Lightning Thief, which is all based around the Wizard's Tower uh, and Thunderbolt. Uh, and of course, whenever you cast Thunderbolt, you must sing it and say Thunderbolt and Lightning. Um, but man, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you that Volt <laughs> exactly the the Volteric Shield ability that the wizard has I mean if it isn't brutal enough that the, the players playing the wizard basically kind of have you know carte blanche they can they can pick any one specific school plus arcane to, to make as deadly of a combination as they want but then you get this Volteric shield which is dirt cheap it's two mana during your upkeep and you flip your Volteric shield to on and then um, the first time the wizard gets attacked and is dealt damage if the shield's on, you basically cancel three points of damage, which is huge. Uh, it's it's way. I mean, when when you talk about two mana versus three damage, and it, it guarantees you to prevent that damage. Like there's no I have to roll for it, or or it's got to be critical damage only, or anything like that. It's just the next three damage. I mean, that is 
that is something that I find myself whenever I play the wizard constantly. Like if I've got two mana, like I'm calculating during my planning phase, if I got two mana, boom, Volteric Shield goes. It's it's going on. Um, but then on top of that, he's got uh, aside from his basic melee attack, he's got this thing called Arcane Zap, which is a quick action ranged attack. And it's also three dice. Again, dirt cheap. It only costs one minute to do it. It counts as an attack spell, and it's ethereal on top of that. So if you run into someone running a Whirling Spirit or running some Ghost or any, anything that's going to give you a pain, you know, poison gas cloud or anything like that, that has a built-in automatic, I'm going to go stomp that out. And he is... He's already flexible enough with his, uh, you know, with his arcane and choice of uh, of, of elemental school, uh, but then his abilities just become amazingly awesome uh, when you look at the mana curve for their cost versus their reward. They're, they're, he's he's easily one of my favorites in terms of abilities. Yeah, and he has a default ten channeling as well, so he's already kind of got the edge of getting mana. Well, he's an, and he's learned how to channel over time, so. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, we're we're about at 25 minutes, and we, we want to try to keep these to around 30, but we still have a couple points that I'd really like to talk about. So this one may go over our general um, uh, goal of keeping these around a half hour, barely. But uh, let's talk about strategies for a little bit. Um, Aaron, do you have any strategies that are just killer with these core set of mages? Well, there's there's definitely some pretty uh, some pretty straightforward stuff. I mean. Like for the priestess, the standard is either you're gonna try and throw some a uh, couple creatures out there and support them because she's amazing at it, or um, you're gonna throw out a uh, temple of Asira, um, put a harmonize on it, and then next turn summon two um, two clerics, and then from then on out you're gonna be praying to your temple and getting four mana a turn, um, and that's the slow way to go about it. Um, but it can get out of hand pretty quick. Um, I personally prefer uh, to throw someone out there and support them, um, especially something like, uh, you know, Knights of Westlock or Brogan. Um, Brogan's amazing. Brogan's awesome, yeah. We talked about him before. Um, he's, uh, I played a game last week, and I, I had summoned up a couple of creatures. The first one got pwned. The second one got neutered really bad. And then I had enough left, so I summoned Brogan. And the rest of the game was watch Brogan win the game for me. <laughs> uh, it was like I they had to keep trying to go after him, um, and I kept putting retaliates on him. So he responded with, and I kill you. He's like, oh, you hit me. My counter-strike, you're dead. Um, it was pretty sweet. Um, I'm a big fan of him. He's He's tough to take down, and he hits really hard. Um, but I do think that uh, the priestess, more than most other mages, can pick someone really huge like that and just kind of push them for the win uh, because she has the ability to remove those statuses and she has so much access to uh, various healing and uh, divine protection is amazing. Uh, so so that's, that's my big thing with her is I really think you want to find someone to support uh, and kind of push them... Uh, the Beastmaster, I've seen a couple of different things. Um, one of the coolest ones I have seen is uh, he would summon Rajan's Fury 
and then he would summon, uh, just keep summoning Thunder of Falcons. Um, and since <laughs> the Falcons all fly and are all fast, and he's then given them all charge one, so they're now all attacking for four, and they're really tough to get away from. Um, the downside <laughs> there, of course, is he has no one on the ground to watch his back, uh, but after you get a bunch of them out, then you can start putting down extra Rajan's Furies so that they charge for more. <laughs> It's pretty funny. Did they call that book uh, Hitchcock? Um, <laughs> I, I might talk to him. He, he probably needs to do that. Yeah, that is that definitely, definitely the words. <laughs> See, I'm uh, I'm I'm like a, a giant tank, like a Sherman tank when it comes to to my Beastmaster. Um, I know we talked earlier about you know summoning people really fast and, and just swarming people. Um, one of my favorites is, is an old time favorite, but I really like it because it's just, it's really hard to deal with. You're going to have 19 mana on turn one and you're going to blow every bit of it. You drop a steel claw grizzly and you put one of the, what I call a trifecta on him. Uh, meaning you either put rhino hide on him, you mm -hmm. put, uh, bull endurance or you put bear strength. Oh, man. Uh, and then you only have nine mana next turn, but you're going to have enough to flip that face up next turn. Um, one of my favorite enchantments though, cause most people expect that when you see a grizzly and an enchantment come out, they expect bear strength or they expect rhino hide. Um, one of my favorite things to put on him is cheetah speed. Um, there's there's nothing nothing more dangerous than a pumped up bear who's fast. Yeah, I <laughs> so like those are those are some pretty hard too. things to deal with. Yeah, he's he's very hard to deal with if you if you get the right enchantments on him. Although of course one uh, one purify magic will wreck all that, but uh, it's it's pretty fun. I really like. Um, I, I saw one of my friends do this one time. He was tinkering around with a really heavy creature wizard deck and by heavy creatures i mean the large things like the hydras and the ones that generally move really slow and what he would do is we basically just teleport them close to the enemy and kind of just overwhelm them without them really knowing what's happening so that's uh that might mm -hmm. be one that's going to win you any of the big tournaments or any of the big shows but it's definitely one that's, that gets a good laugh once they realize what the heck's happening to their face or if you you're go. playing if you're playing scott that the table flipped over on you no, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you gave that up. Uh, okay, so uh, the last thing we wanted to talk about uh, when really picking your mage, and probably I think is the most important thing here, it, at least for me it is, it's just your personal taste when it comes to playing, how you want to approach the game, what kind of experience you want to have. So um, I personally like to try a little bit of everything and uh, then kind of uh, try to wade into the deeper waters uh, again, with the customizations and going in with some of the more advanced skills and abilities. Um, but one that I really found, again, um, is the Warlock, just because I really liked it from a thematic ability, and I really like the idea of just being able to stack as much burn as I want on a creature. So if... if I, don't, I don't think I understand who your favorite mage is yet, Ricky. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> well, it's... <laughs> It actually, it probably is the Beastmaster. I just really like the <laughs> Warlock. So I wanted to make sure I wasn't just talking about the Beastmaster with you. <laughs> um, so what are what are yeah, some things my... you guys think about, um, you know, involving your own personal taste in picking this? So if you're, you know, there's the different categories of gamers. Is there a particular mage you think they could be drawn to if they just open up the box? Um, I think everyone's different. I think... Um... 
you know, we do a lot of demos. Uh, I did on tabletop day, I did a bunch of demos at a local store. And, uh, it was funny. There was actually a, there was a gentleman who had made a comment to me about, uh, we were, we had a demo of a necromancer versus a priest. And, uh, he saw a lot of the stuff that was on the board from the necromancer, you know, between like the altar skulls, uh, the, you know, wall of bones. And, and he saw all these like dark <coughs> conjurations and dark things going on. And, uh, he said, yeah, I don't know. That's not really my style. Like I don't get into the whole undead zombie skeleton thing. Uh, and then as he said that, he sees the priest put out, you know, a hand of Bim Shalah. And he's like, ooh, what is that? And we're like, oh, it's temple. You know, it's part of the conjurations that the priest can, you know, bring out that can be pretty powerful. And he immediately got sucked in. And nice. he was like, wow, this is really cool. And it, it's funny because it turns out that after talking to the guy, um, he has a degree in architecture. And oh, cool. he loves buildings and he loves like you know ancient looking type of you know architecture and buildings like that so the temples really spoke to him so it was really kind of cool to to see see him go from you know man this is kind of average and ooh, what's that you know and and, and catch that with it and um you know i I think we're all different in that way you know we all have you know the the sum of our parts you know so to speak and and we're all attracted to different things you know some people may just look at the you know warlock and go wow that helmet's really cool i'm playing him uh, and, and some people may look at the wizard and just think, man, he's, he just looks like, you know, you know, Dumbledore who can kick butt. And, you know, it's <laughs> like they, they, they'll see different things visually that'll strike them and, and, and resonate with them. And then they'll, they'll get attracted to it. For me, the reason I actually went after the Beastmaster originally was I played a ton of magic and I loved white weenie decks. Mm-hmm. I loved the, the decks that were, you know, really low mana, burn through fast creatures really quick, and, and just crush somebody in a couple of turns if, if it pulled itself off and worked. And, and when somebody was explaining to me, you can build that type of spell book, but you can go get whatever card you want out of your spell book. It, it was like, I mean, you know, I felt like I just hit, you know, all bars on the slot machine. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> it, it was, it was like the perfect scenario. So that, that was, for me, that was what drew me to the Beastmaster originally. So. What about you, Aaron? Well, for me, like I'm, I'm one of those guys who, on the traditional magic scale of players, um, I am a Jimmy who dabbles in the other two. Uh, <laughs> I love moving parts. I love seeing things work. Um, and so, to me, like I think the best example of my personal preference is right now I have five spell books and they are all different mages. So um, I I like playing everybody. I like figuring out what works, figuring out what doesn't. I like delving into the, the bits and pieces on them. I, I really enjoy doing that. Right now, I really love the Druid because she's got tons of moving pieces and she's got um, all sorts of strategies that she can pull off, but she's all tied around um her own special limitations mainly that she really wants to have that tree and protect it um so she's got all of these things going for her and a few things going against her but it ends up being this really interesting style of play and so to me that that particular type of mage really interests me um i would say when you have people coming to the game new if you're the kind of person who wants you know blunt aggression you're going to focus on the uh, Beastmaster and the Warlock because they're very straightforward. Um, they have no 
there's no trickiness about what they want to do. They want to go to your face and smash it. So um, they can be very straightforward in that aspect. Um, and then if you're someone who likes, you know, trying to find the perfect tool for the job, the wizard is absolutely the one that you want to go to because that's to be good with a wizard is to find the perfect tool for every job. Um, and then the priestess is definitely the idea of bend but don't break. So she can take it and take it and take it until she finally hits the point where, okay, you're you're starting to run out of steam. Now I'm going to take it. Um, yep. You know, and then obviously other mages have their own themes, but I mean, that's the, the big thing is that for me it was always experimenting with those those themes, experimenting with their particular strategies that I always found really interesting. Um, yeah, I do but, as well. And yeah. one of the things I really like about that is to really understand what you need to do. You, you gotta you gotta know the opposition as well. Um, so that that kind of idea and that kind of mentality really helps out. Um, if you know you're playing against the warlock and they have these different abilities, or you know you're playing against the force master and she can do these things. I mean, that's that's it. Kind of gives you a slight edge in just knowing what to kind of expect. Absolutely. Um, we we really haven't. I, just really quickly, if you're one of those guys that really likes the versatility of, of, of a creature, or rather of a mage in, in a game, um, take a look at the Warlord. We haven't touched on him very much at all, but he actually has his abilities where you can give commands to his units. So he puts a lot of different soldiers and things, and they actually can level up as the game goes, or, or I say level up. Is that the, is that the actual ability? Uh, veteran markers. Veteran markers. So they get veteran markers as the game goes, and they get a little stronger. But then the warlock can actually uh, shout orders at them, and then they get a particular buff, which is a really cool mechanic that we haven't touched on yet, but one definitely worth looking into. Actually, I, th I think he politely asks them to do it. I don't think he shouts <laughs> at them. But... I don't. Can can orcs uh... be polite? Am I being a racist? Sure. When I say that? Yeah, okay. No, he's a very nice guy. No, yeah, yeah. We we kind of focused on the core mages, yeah. and maybe even this is a a good point to to ask you know viewers who are are listening, you know, if they'd like us to expand this type of conversation to the other mages in a future show. I think that could be really cool. But um, yeah, the the warlord has a, a lot of really good options with the uh, with the shouts and the uh, the new warlord, the alternate warlord that's oh, coming out in Forged and Fire in June. Uh, he's got options with his runesmithing. Um, so, yeah, if you like options, warlords are, are good people to look at. Yeah, the Anvil Throne Warlord is is just going to be awesome. I can't wait to play him. Yeah, him, him and I have the same physique, so we're, we're good to go. <laughs> yeah, same here. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Well, I definitely want to thank you for listening, and uh, we'd like to hear a lot of feedback for this. So hit us up on the Arcane Wonders forums, or you can hit me up personally on Twitter if you like. I'm at Let's Level Up. And, of course, please follow Mage Wars on all of their social media sites. They are at Mage Wars on Twitter, and the forums are always open. You can catch Mr. Aaron Brosman there pretty frequently, um, and that's just at Arcane Wonders, or rather www.arcanewonders.com. Um, Scott, Aaron, do you guys have any last words for this uh, premiere episode? I think this went really well, and uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Let us know your feedback and play more Mage Wars. <laughs> I want to insert something pithy, but I couldn't think of anything right now, so... There you go. There it is, right there. You just did it. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. We will be back in two weeks with the second episode of Mage Wars Mondays.
And on that episode, we'll actually be focusing all about everybody's favorite evildoer, the Necromancer. And again, I may, I may be putting a little too much evil stigma on him, but I really, really love this mage, so you'll definitely want to tune in for that.